I'd like to start with asking you a question, or rather I'd like for you to ask yourself the question, what do I have to be thankful for? Now, for many of us, that's rather an easy question to answer. For some, it's a matter we often overlook those blessings that God has given us. And for others, it may even be a situation where we're so overrun run down by our circumstances, we actually feel that we have nothing to be thankful for. But we're going to see in Scripture that our attitude of thankfulness, thanksgiving, is not to be determined by our circumstances. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, it's important to reflect on what the Scripture actually says. It says, give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say to give thanks for all circumstances. We all encounter things that we're not necessarily thankful for, whether it's a pink slip at work, a foreclosure, an illness. But it's important to remember that God asks us to give thanks in the trial, even if we don't necessarily give thanks for the trial. It is important to maintain that attitude of thankfulness. And in our nation, historically, has fostered the attitude of thankfulness among its citizens, even in times of adversity. And even that very first Thanksgiving that we hearken back to with the pilgrims back in 1621, and we all have seen portraits and paintings of everyone smiling and sitting around the table, that sometimes we forget that for those pilgrims of the original 102 pilgrims that boarded that Mayflower and headed to England, by the time of the first Thanksgiving, over half of them had died. So for those experiencing that first Thanksgiving, they had all experienced a deep sense of loss, probably a family member, a friend, at least someone that they were very acquainted with. Now, unfortunately, we don't have a transcription of anything that took place that first Thanksgiving. But I think in times like this, it's easy to uh, rely on that noted theologian Linus, who in the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving said that when the pilgrims uttered that first prayer, that it probably went something like this. We thank God for our homes and our food and our safety in a new land. We thank God for the opportunity to create a new world for freedom and justice. And that spirit of thanksgiving continued and fostered throughout the years into the colonial time. And then officially in 1789, our first elected president, George Washington, right after his inauguration in that November, issued what would become the first proclamation of thanksgiving that would be given officially sanctioned by the government. And in that first proclamation, Washington wrote these words, where it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits. The House and Congress have asked me have requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer 
to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God. And this would continue a tradition of presidential proclamations of Thanksgiving, usually in the fall, which would take place over the next 60-some-odd years. Some presidents would do it judiciously. Some presidents, like Thomas Jefferson, didn't issue one. But then in 1863, in the midst of our great national struggle, the Civil War, would be the time that Thanksgiving would pass from a time of proclamation and tradition to the national holiday that we celebrate today. And in the midst, the very heart of that Civil War in 1763, the war was right in the middle, just a few months after Gettysburg, a time in our nation when over 700,000 men, it is predicted today, are decided upon today that passed away during that time. An equivalent of over 2% of the population died during this time. But in the midst of that loss and that struggle, Abraham Lincoln would issue these words and call on the last Thursday of November to be a national holiday of Thanksgiving for the American people. And Lincoln would issue these words, written by his Secretary of State, to these bounties which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget. They tended to forget back then, too. To forget the source from which they come. Others have been added, which are of such an extraordinary nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, have nevertheless remembered mercy. See, many like Lincoln felt that the Civil War was a time of judgment upon the United States for the sin of slavery that we had tolerated. But even in the midst of judgment that he felt that God was bestowing upon the nation, Lincoln still had time to hearken to God and to say that God remembered mercy. And there were blessings honored to him. Now, the national holiday of Thanksgiving would continue that final Thursday of November up until the time of the Great Depression. And at the beginning of the Depression, a time of financial and strife that hadn't been seen in our country for many years before, even in his first Thanksgiving proclamation in 1933, Franklin Roosevelt uttered these words, may we on that day in our churches and in our homes give humble thanks for the blessings bestowed upon us during the past year by Almighty God. But then a few years later, Roosevelt would provide the final tweak on the Thanksgiving holiday when he would switch Thanksgiving from not the final Thursday of the month to the fourth Thursday because he wanted to add extra time for people to go out and shop between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I know, I know adding commercialization to the holidays is something that seems totally foreign to us, but they changed it to what we now celebrate on the fourth Thursday of the month in November. But today we still, 
as a nation, as people, we remember Thanksgiving. Most of us will have the day off. But like Lincoln said, many of us have forgotten who we are to give thanks to. We need to hearken back to Paul in Colossians chapter 5. Paul writes these words, Be thankful, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, for many, it may be a time where it is hard to give thanks. You may be like the pilgrims. You may be celebrating this Thanksgiving in a time of loss. Or you may be like those in Lincoln's time. You may be at war. Maybe not literally, but you may be at war with that coworker, that family member. Your body may be at war with that disease like cancer. You may be suffering like those in Roosevelt's time from the depression. You may be suffering a depression that's not only personal but financial. But in all of these situations, we are called to give thanks to God, to remember the bounties he has bestowed upon us. And now we're going to take a few moments in our service. We're going to have the two men, a couple of men come forward with the microphones. We're going to give you the opportunity to answer that question that I posed to you. What do I have to be thankful? Where has God been at work in my life this past year? Where has God answered my prayers? Where is God at work? So all you need to do is signal, raise your hand. They'll bring the microphone to you. You don't need to come forward. We'll get a couple that are working. So you can stand if you feel comfortable, or you can just stay seated there in your chair. But this is your opportunity to share before others. And if you don't feel comfortable sharing before others, just to maybe quietly reflect yourself on those blessings that God has bestowed on you this last year. So we have our first... (laughs) They'll bring the microphone to you. He's good. For he is good, his mercy endures forever. I'm a crybaby. Sorry, people. But every time I think about how grateful I am to the Lord, I have to cry. Even when I'm at home cooking my beans still, I cry. <laughs> because I am so grateful to the Lord for all that he's done in my life. Especially my salvation. He is so good. And he loves us so much. This morning my oldest daughter called me. And I was thinking, what is something special that I can thank God for last year, what he has done for me, for us? And then when my daughter called me, and I remember what kind of life she used to have as far as us, all of us sinners, when we don't know the Lord. We're not happy. We don't have peace. And God gives us that, that peace that passes all understanding. Things have gone in my life that I say, 
thank you, Lord, because you've been with me. No matter what, you've been with me. And I just want to praise him and love him and give him thanks because he is so good. My oldest daughter came to the Lord, and I remember praying and praying and praying for her, and God answered. And I am so grateful to the Lord because not only my daughter, but my family, they have also come to the Lord. And I just want to thank him because he is so good, and I just want to give him praise because like the word says, he is good. God bless you. Good morning, everybody. Um, I just want to give thanks, you know, not just for the good. I give thanks for the bad, you know, the fires that we're having, the missing people, the people that are, are you know, that got killed in the fire you have to give thanks for everything bad or good you know um my mother-in-law sorry she's really sick okay i can stand up here and cry all day but we need to thank god that she's sick because it's it's his will it's his plan that she's like this right now. It's his will and it's his, it's his plan that we are all like what we are right now. We just have to give thanks, you know. It's, it sounds kind of kind of backwards, you know. But that's what I've been taught. And this church has taught me that. You know, if um, you all can just take a moment out of your day. And, and thank God for the good. And thank you for the bad. You'll be amazed at what happens in your life. I've been doing it here lately. And it's like, wow, you know. God, you are so amazing. There are no words in the Webster's Dictionary that can describe God. We know that, right? There are no words. But we can thank him every day for the good and the bad. So just be thankful that you know, the clothes on your back, everything that you take for granted. You know, just just be thankful for everything that's good and everything that's bad. And, and you, you can get through anything. Thank you. So uh, I'm already crying because <laughs> these other, oh, my gosh. My husband and I have been together for nine years, and eight of those years I've been praying for his salvation, and this year he got baptized. And it's only because of prayer, because of, from our family, and this year he's, I fell in love with him, and now I fell in love with the new him. And I have nothing but thankfulness to God for that and for our church family for always sticking by us and helping us in our walk. So, thank you. 
just want to thank God for absolutely everything, really. Because, like, my life is honestly just so good. And even, like, the stuff that most people would consider bad often isn't necessarily bad. Like, the stuff that I thought was bad at some points turned out to be really good. And then there's also the stuff that actually is good. And even the stuff that, like, we forget about. And it, I just want to thank God for everything. And I would start to list them all, but I just can't list it all. I just, I never got a chance to thank my first Christian pastor, but uh, I'd like to thank him now. Uh, he told me, he didn't ask me, he told me, read the book of James. And his expression, and I looked at him straight in the eyes, and I read the book of James. It's my book. I'm just going to read the first verse. Okay. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of any kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Develops perseverance, and per- perseverance must finish its work so that you may. Wait a minute. Which. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be nature and complete, not lacking anything. He's passed away already, but thank you. We have time for one or two more before Glenn steps up to share the second part of our message. Cynthia over here and then saw a hand over there. First of all, I wanna I'm very thankful for my family, my beautiful sisters, my brother in law, my hubby, who worked so hard so I can stay home. For my son. His birthday's tomorrow. And I'm so thankful for him because when he was born, he was born premature, had so many problems, and was in a NICU for like a month. Didn't think he was going to survive. And look at here, one more year. So I'm very thankful for all my babies. They're all healthy, my family. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Um, There's so much that I'm going to be grateful for, am grateful for, I could talk for quite a long time about so many things that the pastor might be able to tell you, but, and I wasn't going to get up here and share anything, but the pastor asked me to share a story. Years ago when I was at work one day, I was having a lot of trouble with my managers, which is not uh, unusual where I work. They expect a lot, and uh, being in mid-management <clears throat> they expect you to do quite a bit of things. And as I was running my department, I kept getting criticism, 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 never any good feedback. But as I was thinking about what I was going through, trying to be thankful for the, to the Lord for everything, giving thanks, but also praying, Lord, I need an angel. Please, Lord, send me an angel. Every day at work, Lord, 
No matter what I say to my bosses, it's not good enough. No matter what I do, it's not good enough. Lord, I need an angel. Send me an angel. Well, one day, one day, I got a new boss at work. He come in, dressed all nice and sharp. i never seen a man dressed so sharp. Found out later he was in the military, so now, no, I know. But he came in. The head man comes in, brings him over, and introduces him to me. He said, I'd like to introduce you to your new boss. And uh, so I went up to shake his hand. I said, hi, I'm Emmanuel. How are you doing? He said, my name is Angel. Boom. <laughs> it, just, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. All I could think of while he was talking to me was, oh, Lord, you sent me an angel. But I still didn't know what to expect, but his name was Angel. But after my, his supervisor left, that angel came to me. My angel came to me, started talking to me, said, walk my department, look at everything, see what I was doing, asked me a lot of questions. He said, I don't understand what they're always complaining about you because they gave me a lot of bad things to say about you. He said, I've never seen the department look as good as yours. He said, it looks fantastic. I don't know what to complain about. Complain about. And he said, don't worry. I got your back. He said, I was in the Marines. And they don't mess with me. They know I don't take nothing from nobody. I got your back, brother. It's all good. You'll be okay. So I thank the Lord for that one day. My angel. Thank you. I'm not a single one, uh, but I try to think a little bit. Because of what the Lord has done. 
What a blessing. We're going to we're going to end our open microphone time with Cal and Marilyn. And I can tell there's more that want to share their praises and answers to prayers. So tell you what, we'll go ahead and open up a microphone uh, at our dessert reception as well. So if there's any more that didn't get a chance, we want to give you an opportunity a little bit afterwards. This year has been one of the best years of my life because I met this lady. And we were going to get married next month. And that's all I can do is thank God because he led us together. I thank the Holy Heavenly Father. He's brought us through many trials and tribulations. I have been blessed by a godly man, and we're going to serve the Lord together through thick and thin. And wherever we go, whenever we do, because I was married before to a pastor, I know what it's like. We will serve all the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Thank you all for sharing. That's uh, very heartwarming and very touching to know that the Lord is moving in so many different ways and so many different lives. So. So, Dane, tell me I have 10 minutes. Um, most of you that know me know I cannot say hello in 10 minutes. So <clears throat> we're going to do our very best. This morning I'd like to start off by uh, reading scri- uh, scriptures from the book of Acts, chapters 2, verses 40 through 44. And I want to talk to you about being accepted and forgiven in the context of community. So in the book of Acts it says... With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. And I need you to remember that, remember that part, the 3,000. Okay? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, as I look around the room, I know that most of you are regular attenders at First Christian Church and uh, have been in the church a long time, so I'm fairly certain that most of you are familiar with that passage. That story takes place on the very day that the church was born, the day of Pentecost. But I wonder how many of you are familiar with a very similar story from the Old Testament, One that takes place on the very day that Moses comes down from the mountain and brought the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law to God's people. So if you're not familiar, I'd like to give you a little background because I know there's going to be some that are like, what's he talking about? So Moses had been up on the mountain for some time, and the people had began to worry that he might not be coming back. So they asked Aaron to make them an uh, image so that they could worship. And for some ungodly reason, Aaron agreed to that nonsense. He gathered up all the people together and took an offering from them of all their gold that the that, that people had. And he melted it down, threw it into the, in the fire, and out came a golden calf. Okay, that's uh, Aaron's story. I'm not sure how it just came out, but that's his story. Well, when Moses returned from the mountain and saw what was going on, he stood at the gate of the camp and he said, 
Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And the sons of Levi gathered around him and said to, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord your God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, and each of you go to and fro from gate to gate through the camp, and each of you is to each of you is to kill your brother and your brother's companion and your na- brother's neighbor. So that is just like, huh? If you have your Bibles, quickly turn with me to Exodus chapter 32. And we're going to look at verse 28. We're going to see what the outcome was of, the, of this action that uh, Moses had brought to the people. He said, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword at your side, and each of you go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you is to kill his brother and his neighbor and his companion. And then verse 28 says, The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day 3,000 of the people died. On the very day that Moses came down from the mountain, 3,000 were slain. But on the very day that the church was born, 3,000 were saved. Our God is a God of restoration. Amen? Truly, that is a reason for us to be thankful. No matter what our past, no matter what our want, and no matter what our need, our God is able That law of Moses, the Old Testament law, it was a law of spiritual death because nobody could keep it perfectly. But the law of Christ is a law of love, a law of life. I want you to just try and imagine what it would be like if we added 3,000 people to First Christian Church in one day. Can you imagine the chaos? Can you imagine... The, uh, what would ensue if 3,000 were added? I know that Dane is a fantastic manager, but I doubt that even he would know what to do if we had 3,000 added to our numbers in one day. Think of the personality conflicts. Imagine all of the different backgrounds and belief systems coming together. There would be those that, would, that the world would deem to be unacceptable. I mean, if people are getting saved and there's 3,000 people added to this building, surely there would be some of them that are former gang members or current gang members just coming out of the gangs. There would probably be some murderers and some thieves. And then there might even be some added to our number that we as regular church members and believers would never consciously choose to associate with. There would surely be the homeless with their shopping carts filled with their worldly possessions and their stinky overcoats. And then since this is California, there'd probably be a bunch of potheads. You know, they'd just be coming in from the parking lot with the munchies trying to eat up all the communion wafers, you know, going, oh, you know, I just came in to get something to eat. And, of course, there would be some that have been living in a sinful life. There would be some who are sexually imperfect, uh, living promiscuously, thank you, uh, or possibly in adultery or even some uh, struggling with same-sex attraction and homosexuality. 
all of these people would be coming in different stages of restoration. They'd all be working out their, their salvation with fear and trembling. And they would be here. Okay, They'd be here. They'd be here. And they'd be devoting themselves to the teaching of God's word and to fellowship and to breaking of bread. And they would become our community. So often is the case that we don't really get to choose who our community is or who our family even is. We get born into a family that's often not an ideal situation. There are lots of families that can be best described as, Alan, this is for you, putting the fun in dysfunction. Let's face it. Every family has that one member. And let me tell you, if you're not sure who it is in your family, it's probably you. <laughs> then we go to school. As, as young people, we go to school. We find it's hard to fit in because the cliques form and we're excluded and we're not seen as cool or otherwise worthy of, our, of other people's time or attention. Then there's the workplace with all of its drama and politics. And then we move into a neighborhood. And for better or worse, we're stuck with the people that make up that community. It's rare that everyone on a block gets along together. Churches, too, are filled with people who, let's face it, stink. I can say that because I'm one of those stinky people. God says in his word, a body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged in a function and functioning together. If Foote said, I am not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong on the body. Would that make it so? If the ear said, I'm not beautiful like I, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? And if it was all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. And that is from 1 Corinthians 12, 14, as uh, written in the message version. I just love that version because it's so easy to understand. God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. And that includes each of us and each person that God would add to our number in the chaos. So you might be saying to yourself, self, I get it. When it comes to community and accepting those in it, I want to do that. But he's right. People stink. So what? So what? We all stink at being good people. We all fail at this thing called life, and we all feel, fail big, and we all fail often. Because of this, we're called to not just love our neighbors as ourselves, but to forgive them. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ Jesus forgave you. One of the saddest things is when families don't get along because the members are unable to tolerate each other. Entire neighborhoods become embroiled in feuds.
because that one neighbor did that one inappropriate thing at the last block party. And people pick up sides. Churches split and members leave. Kids stop attending youth group because of hurt feelings, because they don't like the music style or some other trivial matter. This all needs to change. As we begin this week of Thanksgiving, now, today, is the perfect time to begin strengthening relationships or mending the ones that for one reason or another have deteriorated. Now is the time to admit that we often stink at relationship. So often we allow other people's thoughts, other people's opinions, or other people's actions uh, actions toward us to dictate how we behave. And that's wrong. We get stuck on stupid to the point that we allow our emotions to control rather than the Holy Spirit to actually live, live in and work through us. We would all be better people if we would just be the peacemaker. To be the heart of Jesus in our communities, our families, and our churches. We can act according to God's example, and just as he is a God of restoration, we can be restorative people. And that would truly give the world something to be thankful for. So, yes. Thank you. As we, as we think of being restorative people, it's incumbent upon us as we move now into the time of our, of our worship service that is truly the central focus of our time together. Uh, every Sunday... We come together here at First Christian Church so with the intention of worshiping Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. If you're a believer in Jesus, he welcomes you to, the t- to this time of communion. This right here is the central reason we're here. Okay, It's not Patrick and his great worship band. That's not the reason. It's not normally Dane and his awesome serv- uh, sermons. No, this right here, communion is the reason that we're here. This communion, um, we do this in remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, his burial in the tomb, and his glorious resurrection three days later. In 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And then he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we invite you to come. The communion trays are here in the front and in the back. We invite you to come as a family. Some of you will come individually. Some of you will come in a group. We can invite you to come with your friends. But we invite you to come to this table and reflect on the things that you have to be thankful for this year, the way that the Lord has blessed your life in 2018, the way that he's changed your life, and some of the things he's taken out of your life that you, that you want to hold on to and realize that 
you know what? You're freer and lighter without those things. And when he prunes, he prunes for good reason. So come forward or go to the back, whichever you're comfortable with. And if you need prayer, please come to the side. There'll be a one of our prayer warriors, Yolanda and um, Manny, to the side of the church maybe. And if, if you need prayer, if you need somebody just to intercede on your behalf and bring to you, bring to the Lord your wants and your needs, now's the time to do that. You should come forward and partake of this uh, communion and gather in prayer and give thanks. Amen.
You guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Over about the past hour, we heard Frank talking about giving thanks in all circumstances of our lives, bad nor good. We heard Glenn have a powerful, impactful message about our community and about forgiveness. We heard about so many people, Thanksgiving, uh, thankful for so many things going on in their lives. As Victor said, both good and bad. The restored hearts this Thanksgiving. Amazing, amazing people with awesome messages about all they're thankful for today. And with that being said, the most thankful thing that I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving is eternal life with our Heavenly Father and the sacrifice that He's made for our lives by dying on the cross for our sins so we could have everlasting life with Him. And the, and the Bible verse that comes to mind that is so powerful to me, you guys know it, Isaiah 53.5. And it says, but He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we are set free. I'm so thankful to serve a God who sent his one and only son on the cross for our sins so we could be set free, so we could have eternity with him, where there is no more pain, there is no disease, there is no more pain or funerals, there is no more hardships of any kind. I pray for all of us here that when we get to heaven, that Jesus will tell us, well done, well and good, excuse me, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to share with you three gifts that we must be thankful for this Thanksgiving and every day of our lives because of what Jesus did so we could have eternal life with him. The first one in our notes is God's gift came to us in the humblest of wrappings. Again, God's gift came to us in the humblest of wrappings. Now, what would you think if you received a gift that was wrapped in newspaper and tied with the string? First and foremost, you'd probably think a man wrapped it, right? Because that's how I wrap gifts. God did not give me that gift of wrapping at all. But think about it. God's gift to us, Jesus was not born. He wasn't born in a fancy place. He wasn't born in a place of palace of gold. 
He was born in a stable. He was clothed with rags. This is such a great sacrifice that God made for us. God's gift to humanity. The ultimate gift of eternal life through his son Jesus Christ came in the simplest, humblest of wrappings. Notes, the second in your notes is, we don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve heaven, yet he allows us to enter anyways. So Jesus gave us this amazing opportunity to join him in heaven when we were his enemies and why people were punishing him, slapping him, beating him to a pulp, yet he chose to forgive those people, you and I. As Luke twenty-two sixty-three says, the men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. What about Matthew twenty-six sixty-seven? It says, then they spit in his face, struck him with their fists. Others slapped him. The punishment that Jesus took for us so we could have eternal life, I am so thankful for. He didn't have to give this gift to us. In fact, we didn't deserve it. In fact, it was just the opposite. But the Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Despite of our sin, our wicked ways, and what we do to Jesus, Jesus still took our sins of the world on his back, on his shoulders, so we could enter paradise with him. And for that, I'm forever thankful for this Thanksgiving. Third in your notes, this gift demonstrates the love of Jesus Christ. The love of Jesus Christ. When we want to give someone a gift, you start thinking about it ahead of time. Hopefully you try to find what the person wants or needs. Or maybe some of you are cheap like myself and you go directly to the clearance section. Let's be honest. We're in church. God knows our hearts. When God decided to give us the gift of eternal life, it wasn't something that he just thought of on the fly. Long before there was a town called Bethlehem, a garden called Eden, even a planet called Earth, a decision was made. A decision was made in eternity that God would send forth his one and only son to die on the cross for you and I, for our sins, so that we could enter the kingdom of heaven with him. And for that, I am so thankful for the love that God shows us time and time again, even when we don't realize it and even when we take it for granted. I take it for granted all the time what he's done on the cross for our sins, the torture that he took for us time and time again. I don't thank God. I don't thank God enough for sending his one and only son on the cross for our sins. As Frank mentioned earlier in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, as he said, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I know some of you are asking, how can we do that? How? Well, the first thing in your notes is this. These are two examples that I wrote down how, and these are just two because, again, as Glenn said, man, I'm Italian, so it's hard for me to do 10 minutes. So uh, the first one in your notes is this. Designate a certain time for giving thanks to God. Because in Psalm 118.24, it says, This is the day with the Lord made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Most of us have a particular time that we wake up, we eat breakfast, lunch, we go to work. We have routines, but 
How many of us make the same effort to thank God on a regular routine, on a regular basis? I'm guilty, not me, not enough. But you guys, did you know that when Jesus healed the ten men with leprosy, that only one man remembered to come back and thank him? It's like us, we forget to come back and thank him. We forget to come back and thank Jesus Christ time and time again. Sometimes we're like the other nine. We're so delighted with with having our long feelings fulfilled, us being healed, that we forget the one who made it possible. Keeping a journal nearby will help. It helped for me in this time of prayer and thankfulness. It will also strengthen your faith tremendously in God when you go back and you read of the goodness during the hard times. And also when you go through the hard times, it will make the good times that much more better. Second in your notes, discipline our thoughts to remain thankful even in difficult situations. Ooh, that's tough. It's much easier to pout about our disappointments and our struggles and our hardships than it is to search out what we can be thankful for, even in the midst of our trials. As believers in Jesus Christ, though, we have the ability through the power of Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, to discipline our thoughts. Because we have the mind of Christ, it says in 1 Corinthians 2.16. Therefore, we press our thoughts towards him and not our circumstances. This type of discipline happens over time. It takes time. When we surrender our weaknesses to God and trust him, as Glenn mentioned, so profound and great in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. Glenn did a perfect job, man. Thank you, Glenn. That was so impactful. We needed to hear that today. A person's body is one thing, as he mentioned, but it has many parts. There's only one body, but many parts to the body, and Christ is much like that, too. If the whole body was an eye, as he said, then we wouldn't be able to hear, and if the whole body were an ear, we wouldn't be able to smell anything. If each part of the body was the same part, there would be no body. God puts the parts in the body as he wanted them, and he made a place for each one. So there are many parts in the body as he wanted them, and he made a place for each one. So there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The parts of the body that seem weaker are very important. God didn't want our parts of the body to be divided. God wanted the parts to care the same for each other. If one part of the body suffers, then the other parts of the body suffer with it. If one part of the body is honored, then the other parts of the body are honored with it and shares the honor. All of us together are the body of Christ, and each one of us, a part of the body. So let's do our job as I'm so thankful that we could all represent Christ to others by them seeing the fruit of the Spirit in us. And that's something we must remember is that we must be a light to this darkened world. As it says in Matthew 5:14, it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. It cannot be hidden. You guys, I want to end with this. When we come around the Thanksgiving table... This Thanksgiving and say what we're thankful for. I know it's hard, but I urge you to do these two different things, especially number one's hard. The second one, not so much. Uh, Victor actually touched on this a little bit earlier when he was giving thanks for hardships as well as good times. But it's to thank God for the trials that you're in. 
and that you're facing because you know that God doesn't waste the trial. Your trial isn't wasted. And ask God what he wants to teach you during your trial and how he wants to grow and how he wants to mold you and how he wants to make you more like him. Second, to thank God for sending his one and only son on the cross for our sins so we could join him in heaven and have eternal life with him. You guys, the worship team's going to come up right now and they're going to sing a song about giving thanks. So many people talked about Thanksgiving and what it means to them. It's a holiday that really gets missed a lot because of Halloween and Christmas. It's like a sandwich in between those two. But you guys, I am so thankful for so much. And when this song comes up, if we could just, in our hearts or to our family or whatever the case may be, if we could just tell our family what we're thankful for and just shout that out to our Lord and Savior, what we're thankful for this Thanksgiving. May we give him all the glory, honor, and praise. Amen.